On this week's show, we look under the dome, the General Motors design dome, and hear about the history of GM design from its start back in the 1900s to today's 21st century designs. Coming up next on AutoLine This Week. Underwriting for AutoLine This Week has been provided by... A successful family-owned company listed on the stock exchange and with a rich history spanning over a hundred years. Hella is a global leader in developing and manufacturing lighting and electronic products for the automotive industry. With over 30,000 employees, Hella offers unique and innovative lighting solutions for all types of vehicles throughout the world. At Hella, we embrace the challenges of current technological limits and develop extraordinary ideas for the future. Innovative strength technical competence, and dedicated employees. Visit Hella.com today for more information and career opportunities. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week, and welcome to the historic Design Dome of General Motors at its tech center in Warren, Michigan. The reason we're here is we've got three terrific designers to talk all about the design of General Motors, the history of what's been going on here. Joining me today, Ed Welburn, the Vice President of Global Design at GM. Also joining us today, Helen Emsley, the Executive Director of GMC and User Experience, and John Cafaro, the Executive Director of Global Chevrolet. And I've got to tell you, it is terrific to have the three of you here in the Design Dome with some of the most incredible collection of cars behind us. Ed, you chose these cars. Why'd you choose them? Well, it's funny. If you were to ask me tomorrow which cars I'd pick, it'd probably be a somewhat different group. It's just, I've got a lot to pick from, which is kind of fun. Really good. And uh, Helen, you haven't been here as long as some of these cars, but you've got to appreciate the history of what they represent. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's great to see them because, I mean, you see them in pictures and you, when you're a child and you see the pictures and now when we, you actually see them for real life. But I don't get to drive them like Ed sometimes does. That's one thing he gets over me, but I mean... Uh, you know? I, I think you just got to pitch, Ed, to, to let her drive one of these guys. Okay, 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 okay. We'll Thank work you. on that. Thank you. <laughs> And John, you, you, you do have a lot of deep roots in, in yeah. this too, and it's got to be cool to see these cars well, out here. Well, I think it's, it's great being uh, here in the dome with these cars because they are really uh, uh, part of GM's design history, but part of uh, ourselves personally. And, uh, you know, of course, the Corvettes you see here on my right were the, the cars that inspired us to get into this yeah. business. Yeah. And yeah. I know the Cyclone yeah. for Ed as well. And I want to get into all those, but let's start back from the very beginning because General Motors is generally credited really with being the first car company in the world to have its own design studios. Yeah, it was, and it wasn't Harley Earl's idea. It was Sloan's idea to do it. Sloan, of course, being the chairman of the yeah, company. He, along with the Fisher brothers, they had this idea of having their uh, an internal design group, and they thought that... Uh, Harley Earl would be the right person to do it. And he totally changed the way we designed vehicles. In what way? Well, prior to him being at General Motors, the bodies were designed in wood, up on horses, up high, higher than car position. The fenders and the uh, hoods were done at a different location. That and then it was just kind of stuck together. And you look at those cars, they, they didn't have that transition. It was all done in wood. Harley Earl brought 
clay. And he, decided, he said, cars should be designed at the height you view them normally. So they were brought down to ride position and done in clay as one overall shape. John, what's the advantage of doing it in clay over wood? Well, I think uh, clay is a good old familiar medium to all of us. I mean, it's, it's easy to manipulate. I think our, you know, our sculptors, which uh, are very, very important to the design of our, our vehicles, uh, they work in clay, they're trained in clay as, as whether potters or ceramic uh, artists, so it's just a natural medium. And, you know, people talked about, uh, not too long ago, you know, uh, I still have uh, people ask me, do you still use clay? I says, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Now, Helen, I've heard uh, some companies talking, Jaguar, Land Rover especially, they want to get away from clay completely in the next four to five years. Do you think that's ever going to happen? We had the idea once and then we went away from it, remember? Yeah. Yeah. We really yeah. did. You need to see it in size, proportion, the interiors you need to be able to sit in them. So I, I can't imagine that we would ever. I you use imagine. the digital side, of course, to do other things and with the releases, but you've got to. And also you've got to make mistakes. You know, you've got to try things out, and luckily with clay, if it was wood, you'd have to take a lot long time to repair it or be ready for a presentation. Mm -hmm. With clay, if, we, if we're doing something, if Ed comes in and doesn't like it, luckily we can change it within a day, okay? It's and called we, getting out the big exactly. rink. Exactly. <laughs> those guys are so talented. They save our life daily, okay? And, you know, the, the use of the computer and developing the uh, design in the tube, as we call it, is become a lot more prevalent. We use it a lot. Yeah. But the final design, being able to walk around yeah. the vehicle to capture the emotion, that whole passion that's in the design. And, and I've got to believe, too, actually touching it, physically yeah. touching yeah. it, yeah. running your hand yeah. down it has got to help you in, yeah. in perceiving what you're, you're and, doing. And, and even if we could do it on the computer, it's a lot easier communicating with the leaders of the company, when you have a three-dimensional object yeah. that you can walk around with yeah. them. Yeah, with the portfolios of our, our business get expanding and different configurations yeah. in vehicles, it's important to have these side-by-side -side reviews outside because yeah. size, proportion, yeah. height, yeah. mass, volume, yeah. wheel size, you, you can't do that in a conference room. And it has to be outside. Yeah, and sometimes some of the surfaces on the, on the computer, will, you'll, they'll look good. So then we mill them onto the machine, onto the model, and then Ed will come by a wheelbarrow, and you see the detail, the fine detail, you would not see on the screen. Yeah. You really, you, you, many a time you'll walk by and you'll make a comment, and you, we'll see it, and you know we've got to put it right. In general, as people outside of design, they want to get rid of clay. The design teams want to stay yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah. Nonetheless, the, the digital world and oh, virtual reality has got to be... It is huge, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's got to be one of the big changes all three of you have seen in your careers. Yeah. yeah. It really allows us to communicate with all those studios around the world, share information yeah. with engineers as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And save information. I mean, you think about it, when we often, we're looking for old sketches that were done years ago and they've gone missing or you've thrown them out. This time, the, the, the designers can all save them on you know, sites that we can get and Ed can then yeah. see them from different designers and around the world so we can actually keep the history where now you're, we're scrambling trying to find old yeah, sketches. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, designers that's, can still maintain their yeah. uh, unique uh, sketch signature, yeah. you know, their style even in the digital form, you can recognize each designer's yeah, uh, you really can. Uh, style without their signature. Yeah. Uh, there's, no, there's no individuality uh, lost in it. And do you know all. another thing that some of the designers do? They'll sketch on the, on, the, on the tablet and then they can save it. Another designer can go into that, put, bring it up on their screen and they can add to it. That really is helpful. So, you can, mm. so you, if you like had two designs, you can put them together, they can work on the same sketch. 
Ed, as you say, this General Motors has 10 different design studios in seven different countries. So the digital world has got to help in collaboration between them. But I also got to believe that for engineering and manufacturing, they can take those digital designs and work on them more easily. Absolutely. It, it allows, for example, dye engineering. Yeah. You know, the sooner, the earlier they can get information, the easier it is for them to create a shape, yeah. be able to, you know, to manufacture yeah. it. If they don't get that information until later in the process, then they've got to keep this shape fairly simple. Yeah. You know. Let's go back in history a little bit, John. Uh, General Motors is probably credited not just with creating the first design staff of any major car company, but also the first concept car, right? It, it, isn't the, the Buick Y-Job generally yeah. accredited with being the first of the concept that cars? correct. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that and how concept cars, dream cars, have evolved over the years. Well, concept cars are obviously very, very important to us. I think when uh, design organizations uh, uh, kind of lost their way in tough times in the economy, they cut out concept cars. I think that's where we got kind of lost uh, as an industry, let's say, uh, losing, losing the ability to, to uh, look out uh, on the horizon and have a vision for future, uh, future transportation uh, products. So uh, show cars for me, personally, I think for any designer, is how you get hooked in this business. I mean, going all the way back. Uh, certainly for me, the Mako Shark and the Manta Ray were you know, you see those cars, and you start writing letters to General Motors Design, figuring out what to <laughs> do. Did I you know. do that too, Helen? Was no. it was it concept cars? <laughs> How, how'd you get into the business? Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> how did you get into oh, this business? <laughs> I often ask myself. <laughs> um, actually, I I did textile design originally, and then I went to the Royal College of Art to do transport design, sort of on a bet. That's why we all laugh. And I ended up getting. <laughs> don't laugh. It's true. You're much more fun than the textile. I know, but. <laughs> Okay, so I ended up doing transport design and then Wayne Cherry, and I'm thinking I'll go back into the textile industry, but I did interiors and fabrics for cars. And then uh, Wayne Cherry offered me a job and then Ed put me in the studio. So it's been quite a story. See, does that answer yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But Ed, it was concept cars story. that got yeah. you into the business. It was, right? in it fact, was that concept car right there. We've got the Cadillac yeah. Cyclone. Yeah. What, what is it about this car that really tugged at your heartstrings you enough to say, I want to do that. It's the late 50s, and that car was just like a dream car, you know. And the way it was displayed as well, it was, it was you know, bigger than life. And, and it, was, it was an emotional connection that I had with that car that did it. Okay, these days we don't see the industry do dream cars. They do concept cars yeah. that are very production-oriented. And we've got two Buick examples here we'll get to in a moment. Yeah. Should the industry be back doing dream cars? Every now and then we'll, we'll yeah. do that. You know, we dream in a different way. But I think on the most part, we are on such a product offensive, yeah. doing one vehicle after another, that the concepts, I think, have to be a bit yeah. closer I think there's to a, what we're doing. There's a bandwidth in concept. You know, you look at uh, yeah. concept like, like the FNR that was yeah. done in, uh, in our studio in China. To me, that's a, that's a dream car. That's way out. Yeah out there. And then we have uh, vehicles, of course, the uh, Chevrolet Bolt, which went from concept to production in yeah. record time. And that was one that was maybe close. We knew we, knew we could get, get there uh, from the concept. So uh, there's a bandwidth to them. Okay. And we see these two Buicks that I talked about, uh, the Avenir and the Avista. And why do these? I mean, they look production. They almost look like they could be in, in a showroom today. So 
Tell us a little bit about <laughs> yeah, it, it was, this. Yeah, it, the, the thing that's so fascinating about them is that they were developed to really put a stake in the ground regarding the design language for the brand, yeah. evolving the face of the vehicle, the form vocabulary, and those two cars are having an incredible influence on everything we're doing for the Buick brand. We'd love for these cars to go into production, but even if they don't, the influence they're having is just spectacular, yeah. both exterior and interior. Now, if I got this right, these were done in Australia. Do I have that right? Um, the Avenir was done in Australia. Australia. What, what is the it about? The was done here. D d okay, yeah. but what is it about design today? You know, it, if you go back when I started covering this business, an American car, you could tell it was an American sure. car, a German one, a Japanese mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Today we've got, uh, I'm not going to call it, uh, you know, homogeneous design, but there's no longer that distinct nationality to it, to the point that you can have an Australian design studio do a killer-looking Buick. Well, it's, I think it's the shrinking of the world. It's designers are trained all over the world. They interact. It shows it's really, it's really a global design yeah. uh, community. And I think uh, you know the, the influence of the different regions for us is very, very uh, important. We still see difference uh, yeah. in, in vehicles from region to region. Yeah, you know, whether it's trim or yeah. form language or, or you know SUV nature versus crossover yeah. uh, nature. But it is it is a small community think about automotive design it's like it's like sports teams there's only so many people yeah. that can participate or make the cut and get into the the business and that's what makes it so uh, exciting and I think the people around the world don't they, they want something from somewhere else I think as kids are growing up now with all the communications and the smartphones and you know they're all on you know on the web and everything else they see things I know when you go to China Ed, these people in China are always asking I want that I see it on the TV I see it on the movies so they want something from America they want something from Europe so I think the world's getting a smaller place in anything that you do because of the fact that everybody travels so much more now and everybody has everything at their fingertips, they can, they can read about it. I think they're absolutely right, both of them, about how the world is yeah. smaller and everyone sees everything else, yeah. you know. They're not on islands, really. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is another important ingredient, and that's with each brand, a brand has to have a strong identity. And we've mapped out a strategy for each brand, all about the essence of what a Buick is all about, what a Chevrolet is all about. Chevrolet's got a totally different look and feel than Buick. Cadillac, again, something different as well. Yeah. The two Cadillacs are on stage. You can tell they have a very different feel than the Buicks that are down here on the floor. Has that been a challenge for the three of you, you know, in the sense that automakers today need economy of scale? i.e. they have to use as many common components and architectures as possible, which means your job is doubly hard, right? To take a similar set of, uh, uh, you know, the, the guts of a car and make it look individual to and each And John brand. may have the greatest challenge because he's got the <laughs> widest yeah. portfolio, Chevrolet globally. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, the challenge of, we, we've talked about this for years, you know, rules and regulations, aerodynamics, you know, is it going to make vehicles the same, it really has it. You know, a car, automotive designers uh, in this business are incredibly creative. They can get around the rules. You know, we're enabled by uh, uh, large creative engineering staffs that enable us to differentiate or, or push the envelope in different directions. 
each brand, each make has their own way of solving mm -hmm. a rule or regulation. It's like, it's like racing, yeah. you know, uh, Formula One cars are very different, but the rules are within, you know, hundreds of millimeters, but they look, you know, I can spot a Ferrari versus a Red Bull versus a Mercedes because, and that's kind of the way we, we approach it. So never uh, count out the creativity and the uh, the creativity of our engineering manufacturing organizations. But that's been learned, right? Because if you go back to uh, the early 90s, there's a very famous, and you guys know the what I'm going to say, the famous Fortune magazine yep. cover where they had four GM yep. brand cars and yep. you could not tell one from the other. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, and, the, we, and there was some truth to that, but this is this gives yeah. me a real opportunity. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> if you took those four cars and had them in front view, they look totally different from each other. Yeah, if you took four very different cars today, I've done it because we were going to stage our own <laughs> Fortune 500 cover. Took four very different designs and stacked them up side by side the same way they did. They look the same. Hmm. They look very much the same. So you're saying they uh, so, kind of cheated so, the shot. Yes, they, they did. Wanted, they wanted yes, the results. Yes, they did big time. They got what yeah. they wanted out yeah. of it. I mean, their point, yeah, there were a lot of cars that looked alike yeah. back then. And those cars are similar, but they did really push the envelope. Yeah. But, but what we found though, like on the interiors, we would have, we would design different parts, but they would look very similar. And yeah. to the regular customer, like I remember we had this with some door handles, I held them up and said, Ed, what do you think? They were two totally different. We'd yeah. engineered them, tooled them, paid for them, different suppliers, everything. And if you held them six feet away, you'd think they're the same thing. So we're like, okay, one's going, gone. Let's use that money and use it where the customer sees it. So we've done a lot of that where we've taken things. I mean, exterior colors years ago, I remember when I first came here, we had the same color, but if you asked a different brand, they would say it was not the same color because they thought they were getting a different red. They were the same from the same well, team. How many blacks did we have? Oh, how many silvers? We had 13 whites. I remember yeah, that when yeah, I first got here, yeah. 13. Yeah, and I think, silvers, I think, I think we were like up to about 20. But we had these two reds, I'll never forget. And one is, we still have it actually, Victory Red, but Buick used it. Let me think, Pontiac used it and Chevrolet used it. Chevrolet called it Victory Red and Pontiac called it Bright Red. They were the same color, but they thought they weren't. And we were paying different prices and it was ridiculous. So we just eliminated one. So then we could develop another color that would be different and people would see it. Yeah, yeah. So I think we've become wiser. Yeah, mm -hmm. I you know? think so. And I think we become wiser globally as well because suppliers would take things to here, they would take things to Opal, they would take things to Australia, the same things, and we didn't talk to each other, so we didn't know. Yeah. This way we share. So we're only paying for things to be engineered and designed once. Okay, Ed, I've got to ask you, we've got uh, the Corvette Mako Shark. We've been talking about painting cars. Uh, there is a fantastic I know, story I know behind the history the of that guy. You want to tell that? <laughs> Okay, we've, I th yeah. think many of us have heard the story yeah. about when they're developing it. And you really look at the surfaces of it, it's very much like a shark. Even yeah, the profile of the fenders and the gills and all of that. And Bill Mitchell had been deep sea fishing yeah. and captured this fish and had it mounted and brought it back. And he wanted the car painted just like it. Gradation of tone yeah. from almost white or bluish white on up to nearly black at the top, just like the fish. And they had painted it and painted it and painted yeah. it over and over, and they could never capture it. He was always upset, and he didn't want to yep. upset Bill Mitchell. So one night, <laughs> when, after he had gone home, they took that fish that had been mounted, and they sprayed it to match painted the it. car. 
and, <laughs> and he was satisfied. Because <laughs> he would bring the fish down, you said, and match yeah, it to the car. But, but I got to tell you, that, pain, that car's got a lot of pain on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's one of the great stories. Was, that, was that true? That's yeah. accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was Ed, Ed Ketter was the yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, it, I'm sure this uh, design building is full of great stories. I have no doubt about it. Uh, do you guys miss one part of what GM did in its past, though? Because back in the day, General Motors did buses and trains and yeah. motor homes oh, and a whole variety we of things. We did kitchens. <laughs> kitchens, that's right. Refrigerators yeah, yeah, with frigid air. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in some ways, you know, it shrunk down to purely automotive design cars and trucks but it's it's growing again yeah. with the work that we're doing exhibits yeah. all the exhibits for the auto shows yeah. uh we're very much involved with the design of the dealerships we mm -hmm. worked with disney disney doesn't work with outside design yeah. teams we worked with them on an exhibit at epcot it was so successful that we worked with them on the new disneyland in uh, shanghai mm -hmm. and i remember walking those grounds and there's nothing but mud and they're just starting. We were there just yeah, a few days month. ago yeah, yeah. and it hasn't opened to the public yet, but we rode one of the great rides there. And it was a project that we worked with Disney on. Mm -hmm. So yes, we're, we do more than yeah. cars and We just expanded to different things, you know? Yeah. You mentioned right. auto shows, you know, uh, that, that's a pet peeve of mine uh, these days. I, I think that um, they're not doing a good enough job at, at really getting the public excited, mm -hmm. especially the media. You know, when you see some of these other tech shows like CES and the like, really starting to capture what some of the future technology and automotive is going to be. A any thoughts along those lines? Well, I think, I think Ed, we, you've, had, you've initiated the conversation uh, within design on how yeah. we're, we're going to approach auto shows in the future. Yeah. I think we've engaged our our senior leadership, our senior marketing leadership on uh, certainly new ways of communicating yeah. with the customers and making a big splash, but certainly the internet and the, and the web tools and everything are changing how we connect with future customers. Uh, that granted, you know, being older, I still like the, uh, the glitz and glamor of the auto show. There's still something special about it. It's a, it's a little bit of a throwback, but it's exciting. and. Uh, it's a tradition, mm -hmm. but it is, it's going to change, Ed. I think you want to... Yeah, yeah I, I think it will. And it, I think, you know, some customers don't go to auto shows. And is it because that's not their thing? Or is it because we haven't created the right environment for them? So I think it's, there's a real opportunity to really explore some exciting different ways of yeah. managing an auto show. Good. I, I I like what I'm hearing yeah. here. No, but the show, the, yeah. I mean, Helen, the, the, yeah. the shows themselves, though, yeah. still people pack in. Yeah, they You do. got great product, and it's neat going yeah. down to the auto shows. Yeah. Yeah. I take my son every As year. a designer, and you yeah. kind of get in the back seat of a car that mm -hmm. or a truck that you've worked on. Yeah. You want to get some tough feedback or good feedback. Yeah. 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 Just, and they don't know who they're sitting next to. But to just stand know. back and, yeah. and watch the crowds and see where yeah. the crowd goes. Yeah, moves. where the crowd yeah. goes. So. Yeah. I love the media days myself. Yeah but I like the public days public even days. more That's yeah. where the because uh, the, these are the people who are going to end up buying or not buying. Mm -hmm. and, and Helen, so let me throw this out to yep. you. There's a lot of talk these days that younger, a younger generation is just not that interested in cars. And we're seeing this globally. 
But here in the United States, we have the lowest percentage of 18-year-olds with their driver's license. Is that a challenge for you folks in design? Yes, it really is. Because I, I myself have a 13-year-old son, and he keeps telling me that he's not going to drive. He's going to move to a town where he can get public transport because he thinks he'll be too distracted with his cell phone. So I'm living that dream. So I know that we've got to put technology into the cars. If we put technology into these vehicles, they're more interested. We were talking about this a while ago, how when we were younger, you talk about the engine, you talk about different things. Yeah. These kids talk about the technology that's in that vehicle, how they can adapt that car to what they want. They want to find a way that that's their vehicle. What's on the screen is their apps. So that's where we've got to look more and more into. And we've got to get their advice as well. When we go out to a lot of, we, do, we take a lot of our new vehicles to clinics and we show them and we're trying more and more to bring in the next generation, the younger customers to see these vehicles because the people we sell to now, they'll buy again or they'll buy one of our competitor, but they know what they want and they know what they're used to. It's the next generation. We've got to make sure that we're working ahead of, for what they need. So it's really important. John, I got to believe things like uh, uh, the work that General Motors has done with the Transformers movies or, or even designing vehicles that go in video games is one way of getting kids interested in yeah, cars. I mean, there's, there's, still, uh, there's still a lot of people, young people interested in vehicles and you go to the racing and yeah. stuff like that. There's still, uh, but you know, that's, that's the, the beauty of a large company like General Motors. We can appeal to all the all different... different. Uh, segments all the different age groups uh, but mm -hmm. I really believe it's important as Helen mentioned to really grow this future customer yeah. base I think there's truth in that where you where you start out as a, you enter into the company or the brand and then you you walk them through the different brands as you mature you have a family and you grow older and, uh, I remember a, a Corvette engineer told me you make your uh, decision to buy your Corvette when you're 15, but you never get it till you're like 55. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know that's that's sure. kind of the way it works. Yeah. And you know I've I've heard I've heard these scenarios over over my close to 40 years at GM, and still the passion for cars and trucks yeah. and driving and experiencing the you know the horsepower and acceleration and you know swinging the rear out and burning it's still it's still there. The excitement yeah. is still there. Yeah. But there's going to be this technology part and this this future. Uh, this autonomous and, and, yeah. and Uber type driving, it's, that's why we're a big company and that's why General Motors is such a cool place to, to work. And I think, uh, you know, just to see the transformation of the company from where it was when we were kids and we were excited where we are now, it's, it's so exciting to be a part of it still. It, it's, a, it's amazing, really, when you think about it. We're on the verge of massive change yes. in this yes. industry. Yeah. I think we'd yeah. all agree yeah. on that. And yet, you know, here you all represent a continuity that goes back to the late 1920s when Harley Earl was hired as the sure. first designer at General Motors, the first in the world for any car company. So it's a, it's a real pleasure for me to have the opportunity to, to sit down with the three of you. And I really got to thank you, Ed Welburn, uh, Helen, John. You know, thanks so much for your thank time you. today. Very interesting thank you. look over it's design. It's great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You're Underwriting for AutoLine this week has been provided by...
Company's successful family-owned company listed on the stock exchange and with a rich history spanning over 100 years. Hella is a global leader in developing and manufacturing lighting and electronic products for the automotive industry. With over 30,000 employees, Hella offers unique and innovative lighting solutions for all types of vehicles throughout the world. At Hella, we embrace the challenges of current technological limits and develop extraordinary ideas for the future. Innovative strength, technical competence, and dedicated employees. Visit Hella.com today for more information and career opportunities.